0: And they're like, if she doesn't say something funny immediately, I'm tuning out they're of it. delete
1: this episode of the podcast said, before it starts.
0: She said she was the funny runner. She didn't say she was the average intro to Training for Ultra podcast. Training for Ultra podcast. This is Brittany Charbonneau. I'm stoked to be here.
1: Here's a quick sneak peek of an upcoming film I'm doing with Brittany Charbonneau called The Funny Runner, due out January, might be February.
0: I was just pushing so hard to try to do everything like all of the other runners I had seen do or what I thought they did. In my head I had this idea that I had what an elite runner does and this is what i a pro runner should act like and look like and be like, and it was just not fun. And so I finally had to just reevaluate with my coach and decide, this is my career, this is my running, this is how I want to do it, and I'm going to approach it in the most joyful and fun and ridiculous ways.
1: If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, Possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. Great cause. Oh, thanks. Man. I respect that, man. So, if you keep doing, do it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam, jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. at the Tim Tweedmeyer. Run a few western states in the days.
0: I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50-miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day that <laughs> I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 156 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. we got a great episode. Brittany Charpeneau is on. We're working on a film together. You should drop hopefully January is my goal, it might be February, but a lot of background that maybe got skipped over the first time I talked to Brittany, and she's just a super nice person. Her and Justin, her husband, they're just fun people to be around. I think Brittany's about to take the trail running scene by storm. I don't know if a lot of people see it coming, but it, it's definitely, I, I really think it will happen, and she's just super talented, but most fundamentally most importantly uh just a nice person to be around so really quick i wanted to thank the show sponsors this is going to be an ad light episode first of all shout out to you patreon supporters really appreciate it hope you guys are enjoying the treasure hunts behind the scenes chat and closed facebook group but big thank you to Kogala. if you haven't checked them out check out the show notes they make an awesome waist belt light or a a different type of light you can wear it on your pack or wherever big shout out to exoskin i think they have a few more days of their sale going on and last but not least hammer nutrition
0: here's the thing rob the funny part can be interchanged with any other adjective that is um applicable for that moment so um <laughs> you just watch out yikes i'm mm-hmm.
1: um, <laughs> So, I'm joined by now a friend of the show, Brittany Charbonneau. We're we're working on a film together. Uh, her husband, Justin, is an excellent chef. He's a pastry chef, cookie extraordinaire. Right? He's, he's truly one of the best. I know Brittany continues to try to uh, live up to those giant shoes and, and make cookies and decorate cookies. But... Um, what else can we add on Justin while while we have
0: this topic? He was just on the Food Network. He was just on the Christmas Cookie Challenge um, last week. He's on episode four or five of the Christmas Cookie Challenge. So super proud of him for that. And um, he's obviously been very busy since then. So he's literally downstairs um, working on a 54 dozen order as we speak.
1: If you guys need cookies, yeah. Uh, What's the name of his, uh, his cookie operation? He calls it what?
0: It's, um, so his cookies are called sugar tats cookies and, um, he's local here in Denver. And then, um, with every order of his cookies, you get, um, three, usually about three cookies of my own renditions and my own attempts of what he created. And I call them rookie cookies because they're usually really, really bad. However, I've been getting a lot better because I've been practicing and I don't have a, um, you know, and as it comes to running, it also comes to cookies that I don't have a just half asset uh, mentality. So my cookies have actually been getting really good and I'm now thinking of rebranding and calling them semi-pros. So, so- and mostly just because I want to wear like a 1970s basketball outfit with the marketing <laughs> for it. <laughs> That's really where I'm going with that.
1: So, practice does make things better? Is it it just building consistency, decorating cookies day in, day out? Yeah. Makes you more artistic somehow?
0: Yeah, and it is practice (laughs) equals progress, unfortunately. Like, as it applies to running, so it applies to other things in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So. Before we started recording, we were talking about races that were coming up in 2021. And a lot of us are going to be thinking about these because 2020 was canceled for the most part. And my theory that Ryan Clayton and I, you know, we were constantly texting each other back and forth. And I'm like, dude, all these races are going to sell out. Like, it's just, it, there just can't be that many open entries for 2021. So I don't want to get too deep into that because, uh, you know, elite, super fast runners like Brittany don't want to share their whole race schedules and all that top secret jazz. But, um, Brittany, are you thinking about running an ultra in 2021?
0: Um, well, I'm not allowed to say no to things anymore. So that's something that we realized, um, obviously through 2020 this year. Um, it's interesting, like so many things in our minds did get canceled. Yes. Like lots and lots of races got canceled, but honestly, this was my best year I've ever had. And it's so interesting because of the races that were still there and still available, it was kind of a all right, well, then I'm going to make the most of this. I don't have another shot at something else, or I don't know what else is on the line. So I said yes to so many things this year that I, if you literally would have had, would have interviewed me at this exact time last year, I would have laughed at you. And I would have like walked away thinking absolutely not. So this time last year I was training for trials and, um, that was just the marathon distance was my jam. That was on road. And that was where I was comfortable. And that was where I was wanting to progress. And I had had a short season, short trail season last summer. I had only done a couple heavy halves and, um, you know, then this year came ahead and all the road races were canceled and I was really enjoying trail. And so I kind of just started to keep saying yes to things. So yes to, um, and, a marathon in the mountains on trail that I never would have said yes to this time last year. Yes. To, um, 28 miles and FKT at Maroon bells, like running a trail by myself over that far of a distance and navigating that on my own last year, I literally would have probably like crapped my pants because it, that was not even a thing that was in my wheelhouse at this time last year. So I think looking ahead to 2021, I, look at some things that are potentially on the race calendar. And I look at some of these like 50 K 50 miler things and that scares me. But I think that that's my sweet spot. That's my comfort zone is going after those things that do scare me and just seeing what I can do and seeing what is, what's possible and what is, cause it's just that next challenge. So I don't have anything picked out yet. Um, because I have to even look up what some of these, races are. I've literally never heard of any of these, um, trail races or these like ultra races. So I don't even know what any of these are. So, um, so I haven't figured that quite out yet, but I know it's going to be a good year ahead if, um, I just kind of keep sticking to that flexible yes mindset that I did this year.
1: I mean, we won't, we won't share with the listener that I was laughing at you for asking about (laughs) one of the 50 milers that you brought up. You can
0: say up. It if you want. Nope. I, no, I it's know. top secret. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. a big
1: one. It's like the biggest, pretty much. Uh, I've um,
0: literally never heard of it. <laughs> um,
1: uh, but I, I think I've talked you into it because of the wine that you can win.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, you have me at wine.
1: Um, well... At trials, you ran your fastest marathon ever. You were whenever you and I talk about it, you were like, I was so happy with my performance in Atlanta. Um I skipped over this for the most part the last time you're on the, the podcast. Can you share just a little bit of the background there? Cause that was a stupid fast marathon like you always run. But you were running right next to You know, some of the best. I I reviewed the video. I had to. And, you know, some people that were running just amazing uh, marathons were behind you. Like during this big turn, I think it was like mile 20 that I was reviewing. It was just kind of mind-blowing to see where you were during that race. So, if you don't mind, just like a, a really quick recap as to how that went. And I don't want to go over your whole race year, but I do want to hear just a little bit more about that because I skipped over it last time. And I kind of kicked myself afterwards.
0: Well, you have to capture your audience, right? Like people probably wanted to hear about this crazy trail running. So I understand and I forgive you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So trials was trials was epic. That is an experience I will never, ever forget and a performance I'm so proud of Um, because that was my very first trials. I had just gone pro. I've only, I'd only been running pro for maybe two years, two and a half years at that point. And, um, I have gone through that. I've gone through the different phases of pro racing that I guess I didn't expect, which some of that is obviously you're thrown in the mix with your idols and the best, not only in the country, but in the world. And it's super scary and it's super intimidating. And I was questioning why I was there. And, you know, so that was my first couple of years. And then going into trials, I was just like, you know what, if this is my only opportunity that I ever get to run an Olympic trials, I want to make the most of it. And I want to enjoy every second of it. And so I was determined to make that happen. And it was leading up to training too. Like I had... I really genuinely enjoyed all of that training. And that was in the winter leading up to that because trials were at the end of February this year. And so I was just determined to just enjoy every second of it and push myself as much as I could and just be as prepared as possible. So I think that that's actually kind of what teed me up also for trail is that trials was super hilly in Atlanta. So that was a big piece that I really attacked with my training and my coach. And I really went after was I'm going to if it's going to be a hilly race, I'm going to just be an absolute beast on hills. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to get to that race knowing that I've like hills don't scare me. I'm not afraid of them. And now looking back, I would love to go back and run that course now being now with all of the miles that I've got under my belt on trail, because I think I would laugh at just how silly small these hills are compared to the mountains I've been running. But I just, um, promised myself that I would just be so present in that race, and I really did. I even covered my watch, so I had no idea what my splits were. I was just going by feel, and I covered my watch with um, sprinkled donut duct tape, and it said, Surrender to Joy on my watch because that was my mantra for the whole thing. I wanted to experience every bit of it. I had over 50 friends and family there watching and cheering, and so it was so important for me to just show – how much I love this and how much I'm, how proud I am of myself and how much I'm not overthinking it. Cause a few months before I had run the Marine Corps marathon and won it, but I had done pretty much the opposite performance in terms of how much I was in the moment and proud of myself. So I was also kind of wanting trials as almost a redemption run for myself and my like love of running. I wanted to make sure that running didn't want to break up with me after, um, after trials, if I didn't, have so much fun on the run. So that was really what I did. And then just kind of carried that really throughout this whole year. Um, and I'm just trusting that, yes, I'm a great runner. Yes. I've got so much capabilities there and yes, I love it. And so, um, I guess just continuously tuning into that. And I think trials was that proof to me that that's possible. And I'm going to do my race plan because I started off in the back back of all the like top runners, like I wasn't even up there because I knew that I was doing my own race and my own race plan. And I knew that I'm a strong finisher. So I just had to trust that when, you know, I didn't go out with the lead pack and I just slowly kept chipping my way towards the top and ended up, um, in 13th when I think I was seated like 69th or something like that. So, um, and PR'd on a really hard course. So that was just kind of showing myself how gritty I am and, um, where, positivity and joy can really take you
1: see Brittany's middle of the pack sometimes yeah, yeah. it's just where the pack is and that, pack, <laughs>
0: that,
1: yeah. that pack's a little quick um, <laughs> so this is interesting to me because we talk about uh marine marathon marine corps marathon and you won that and that was mind-blowing from my perspective because, I mean, you kind of like put your head down like, yeah, it was a pretty bad race. I was like, I, I just remember chatting about this and being like, Brittany, you-, you won the race. You yeah. you ran well and it was pouring rain or something Yeah, crazy was going on. And you're like, yeah, but I ran like a 240 or whatever it was. Yeah. It's just fascinating to me that um you know, you had such a good trials and just the the mental like framing of those performances are so different and yet I, I don't know how many minutes apart they were um you, you didn't walk away with any kind of medal or or trophy or anything from trials other than a, a new PR but yeah. just mentally like you walked away feeling like you almost won that race essentially compared to marine corps you won the race and essentially walked away feeling like you didn't as weird as yeah. that sounds
0: exactly yeah it's it was just it, yeah it was such a it, it's so interesting and I um am so grateful for marine corps honestly like I am now moving past feeling so bummed about it. There was a course record on the line that day. And so that was a big piece that I was there. And like, there was a lot of buzz that I was going to break this course record that's been in place for 30 years. And so I let a lot of that pressure in when I looking back, I, and I think that that's why I, I was, was disappointed with that race was that I let so much pressure in and I let it get in the way of just what I love to do. And just like, not not just running my race. And so that's where I think I just was so proud of myself with trials because it was, it was a a marathon PR, but it was a mental PR and that I'm so about the mental PRs because those are just as important as the time PRs. And so that was, um, marathon or Marine Corps just really teed me up to, to have that experience, to know, like, when there's things on the line, obviously I've got really big goals for my career and bigger things are going to be coming than just a race like that. And so, you know, that was just a reminder of like, there's going to be big things coming up. And I got to remember that, like to not let that pressure in or, or try to manage it a little bit better. And I really feel like I did that. I mean, trials was the, like the biggest stage I've ever been on. And I felt like I just like did my thing. I owned it. And like, it was just such a different, different day cuz i had made the choice ahead of time like i knew ahead of time i knew i was going to PR that day there was like no no question in my mind and i knew that i was going to have an amazing time i just had told myself that whereas i don't feel like i prepped myself as well at marine corps but i wouldn't have done that for trials had marine corps not happened just a couple months before
1: so i don't want to keep going backwards but i've again i've looked at new york city marathon footage at this point, and I'm like, the, the people in that pack. So if if you watch the film that we end up putting, putting out there, The Funny Runner, uh, you'll see Brittany starting off the New York City Marathon. And you were winning for a few miles, right?
0: Yeah, I think I led it for maybe like four or six miles early on.
1: Okay, and and you like you got overtaken what mile ten or, or something to that effect.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty early.
1: It was pretty early, but when I go through, I I saw the names that were scrolling because it was like a replay on TV, and Flanagan was not even in the top ten at you know at that point. There was just like so many. We we could go through and have a whole episode of like the accolades of the people that were in that pack. Um I wanna know what was going through your head when you like you know, you you can hardly see anyone probably within that pack because you were yeah. in the the front of it. Um what was going through your head and then I wanna hear about the changes that developed from that experience to then winning Marine Corps and you know not even being satisfied with the performance, and then yeah. going to trials, and then having a really breakout year in 2020.
0: Yeah, um, it goes back to the same things of I wasn't running my race. So when I led New York, first of all, I was—I mean, it was so thrilling and exciting from even just landing in New York and being checking into the hotel and seeing all of the runners that I was a part of. So that was already amazing and surreal. Um, So then, you know, and getting on the bus and watching Shalane and Des and everybody like load onto the bus. And I'm sitting there like, be cool, be cool. Like, don't say anything weird. Just like, what is (laughs) protocol? What do we do? Like, should I say like cool, cool shoes? Like, I don't know what to say. Um, And so you had to
1: have an awkward moment, right?
0: um, There was one
1: you like told uh, des like
0: so actually i just sunglasses remember, look great today I no, something I weird. Say, remember so we got to the um like the indoor arena where we got to have this very bougie um um warm-up area where we're indoors and it was freezing that morning so you know all the other runners are out in the cold and here we are in this like um indoor track facility and it was great and so Shalane shows up and she's got her amazing red Nike outfit on. And um, she goes, like, I come out of the bathroom and she comes out of the same, like, a stall next to me or something. And I just, like, stop and froze. And it was, like, I, I feel like I kind of um, metaphorically rolled a red carpet to the hand to the sink, being like, no, no, you go, Miss, <laughs> Miss Winner. Like, I just was, like, I was so awkward and just, like, uh, um, in awe. And I was like, I just felt like, and so this is great because it actually leads into what I was feeling for the race. I kind of felt like a spectator at this, like, and I didn't feel like I, I was like, do I deserve to be here? Like, am I actually this fast? Like, am I here? So when I started to take the lead in the race, cause the race actually went out slower than I thought. This is my first world major, um, as an elite. So I don't know what's going to be going on. Like, I don't know what, the group is going to be doing. And so when it was starting out pretty slow, I was like, well, this isn't part of, this isn't my race plan. Like I was planning to go faster in these miles. So I'm just going to pick it up. I feel good. And next thing I know I'm leading this thing. And I was so confused and then terrified because, you know, the pace cars are right in front of us. That's the motorcade and the, um, cars with all the cameras and I'm leading this. And I'm just, honestly, I'm like so confused because I'm like, where is everybody why am I leading this? And then I was like, was, am I off course? Like, is this some kind of joke? Like, did I miss a turn? Like why? But then I was like, I can't, that can't be right because the motor cars are still here. Um, it was actually really scary. And then, um, then I kind of just, after that I just got way too in my head. And then when the pack started to go, it was faster than the pace I had, I was trained for and ready to run. And so, but I tried to go and ended up just like crashing and burning, later on in the later miles. And, you know, looking back from that experience too, I didn't have my nutrition under control. And so every single race, there's something, whether or not it's a quote unquote success in your mind, something wonderful can come from it. I think, cause you're always working towards the progress of getting better. And so so much came out of that race. And that was another, that was like probably my first reminder of Oh, right. Like, don't forget that when you don't run your race and your race plan, it falls apart. And then that also opened up the door to working with my dietitian, who's been wonderful and really pivotal in what I'm what I've been able to do now that I've got fuel in the tank, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was kind of a similar moment as Marine Corps, um, but just that experience that you have to have. Right. Like there's that'll be my first and only first time running a world major as a pro, it. get to run again, and then I'll get to um, build from that experience and go into my next one with more confidence and knowing that hell, yeah, I deserve to be here. I put in the work and I'm just as fast.
1: Okay, I I just have to put it out there. But yeah, you, know, you you don't think you're, you know, on the same level as someone like a Shalane but you came out of the stall next to her. Like what a kind of ironically, like human, like you're on the same level type start. Um, I, I think, um, I think that was an amazing experience just having seen that live and telling myself like, Oh my gosh, she's from Colorado. Like I'll definitely, uh, meet her at some point and have to like kind of like shoot the shit with her at some point. Never did I think I'd make a full-blown film with you. Yeah. But if you didn't have that moment of uh glory, if we want to call it that, and then just utter kind of SpaceX mislanding um at the end. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of ironic, but I don't know if we would have met. So Tell me what the turning point was for you. Uh, Cause I, I know you and your coach talk about it, how you were sitting before the London marathon. And I assume that was 2018,
0: um, 2019,
1: 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that an early in the year marathon? I'm trying yeah, to remember. That's right a,
0: yep. That's a spring marathon.
1: So what, what happened there? Um, like, Cause a switch went off and then I just, I want to hear like fundamentally how you changed to making your training fun and just like falling back in love with running.
0: Yeah. So London was the next spring after New York. So I, I felt like New York was a failure, which (laughs) Like looking back at that one, I'm like, hello, your first world major as a pro, you got 17th overall and you were, um, 10th American and you, I, I stopped in that race probably half a dozen times and I still was 10 seconds off my PR.
1: That's crazy.
0: And then you're also like, come on, man. Like think about all of the, think about what you're, what you're doing right now that no one else gets to do. Even just talking about being in that, you know, um, the training facility where we got our warm up space, like what a privilege, like I just lost sight of that. And so, um, so I missed all of that. I kind of just was, you know, New York happened and I felt like I, I felt like I was going to come at New York and I was going to have this just blow out amazing performance. Like I was had in my head, I was just going to crush it and that was going to put me on the map and this whole thing. And in my brain, that didn't happen. And so I, you know, immediately I was signed up for London and I was ready to, all right, that's going to be my big, like, stand out. Finally, like people are going to take me seriously and I'll believe in myself and this will be my race. And so I just, I, that's honestly the type of mentality I had in that whole training season leading up to London. And you know, I just was pushing so hard. And again, I was like, well, this is what I'm seeing on social media or what I think I'm seeing on social media of how these elite runners are training. So I'm going to do that, those types of things too. And, um, so I was just pushing so hard and it was just really intense. I was very rigid and London started to approach. And I think it was two weeks before and I just got this, um, injury in my SI joint, which is kind of my low back, um and i couldn't i couldn't run i could hardly walk so i'm freaking out about that i'm so stressed out we decided to go to london and so i fly there on this like injury it was a horrendous flight over there and then schlepping all the way through the city to get to the hotel the whole thing and so finally my coach and i had to make the decision um you know the i think it was the day before the race that i wasn't going to run and I was so devastated. And it was just such a bummer because I was like, I, this was going to be my moment. Like I was going to prove it. And you know, like I was going to have an amazing race and I didn't get to run. And so that was a moment where it was almost like running and the universe were just telling me, like, you got to stop. Like, if you're not going to listen, we're going to make you stop until you do listen. And so I was on that trip that my coach Jenny and I reconvened and just kind of got got down to basics and just said, what is missing? And I was missing the fun. I was missing the play. And so that was where we just started to, I just asked her, could we, we were just brainstorming. I said, can I build in like themes into my week? So I'm really focusing on just like that week and each run and it can be playful and I can get creative, you know, like I love that. And then she was so on board. And so it kind of just took off from there where You know, I just started she gave me themes and I incorporated them into my runs and I let play come in. And I just said, well, if if it looks like this to be a pro runner, I don't want to do it. But if I get to do it this way and I can be a pro runner, then I'm going this direction because this is way more fun. And it's so much more fulfilling than how I thought I was supposed to be doing it.
1: Well, and and that's actually something that I've I've been reflecting on is what was horrible about the traditional elite marathon type lifestyle like what what was it most that just made it miserable for you
0: um it was it was my perception of what i thought they did and so it was really my interpretation. And so my interpretation was that your life is running and that is all you do. You don't do other things. You don't have time for other things because running has to be number one and it has to be the most important thing in your life. And you must look like an elite runner. So you must alter what you're bringing, you're using as fuel to, um, look like an elite runner. I was so, so caught up in what I saw on social media, you know, and what everyone was wearing and what their bodies looked like. And so I, and I didn't think that mine looked like that. And so I wanted to adjust that. And, um, it was just, and it was just like intense all the time. Like, I think like, that's what I thought. I was like, well, if you're, if you're a pro runner, then it has to be intense all the time. You like every run, even if it's an easy run, it must be focused, And it can't be out of the ordinary and you can't, it can't be adventurous. And so that's just what the narrative I told myself. And that, you know, is just this perception. Like no one had ever even said that, or I don't, I don't even know if I have evidence of why, where that came from, but that's just what I told myself. And so that's what I let myself believe for, for a while. And it, it sucked. It just wasn't fun. And yeah.
1: You're just like, easy runs are now six thirty 30 pace. <laughs> this
0: well, is going to suck. Like, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like it was, it was <laughs> not even like, because I knew that my easy runs are not supposed to be fast, but it was just like, I'm not going to like, just like on my easy runs now, it might be a trail run that day. Or I'm literally, I just want to go search for pennies. Like I'm going to go, just go really random. And I'm not going to look at my watch. It doesn't matter. I just want to know my mileage and I'm going to go look for pennies or I've never run to this park. So I really want to go all the way across town and run to this park. Just my easy run, because that's the part of running that I love. That's the adventure. It's the joy and it's the spontaneity that, um, that was missing and that I just didn't think was allowed. Like I thought there was this like secret rule book to how you were going to get fast and good and it equaled intense and serious.
1: So I have one, one last question on this front. It's somewhat awkward of, of a a topic, but I know it's prevalent within, you know, elite marathoners, but the nutritional side. And I mean, you're saying that like, you felt like you didn't look like an elite marathoner, even though you're in that same pack. I mean, Did that put pressure on you when you're having meals and and all of that? I mean, it's a side of running. Ultra runners, like, don't really see it off like that often because if there are eating kind of like disorders, I mean, the person typically can't run mountainous ultras or they get injured just because they don't have that, those basics. I mean, did you of confront that side of things and I mean obviously you're running mountains and running Pikes Peak and not getting injured at all so yeah things are working um,
0: it's a work in progress I'll be very honest and um candid about that yeah it's a it's been a long work in progress and I think there's issues there for me that stem back to college um just with body image and um dysfunctional eating and stuff like that, that it is a lot of pressure. And I think that that's honestly, unfortunately, that's where it starts for a lot of us is once you get into competitive running, um, somewhere in, somewhere in this world, there's this misperception that thinner equals faster or, um, yeah. And so it's just like, if I, I think it's this backwards mentality of, You know, once, once I'm thinner, then I'm faster, but it's, it's not that it's once I'm fueled, I can run faster and harder and my body just naturally changes because it's stronger. Um, and I'm so grateful that I have the team that I do that is behind me who calls me out hardcore. And, um, I'm just, I'm happy that New York was that wake up call for me that, if you don't get your fueling under control, I was just out of gas at New York. I had nothing in the tank. And looking back on that, I, you know, looking back on what I ate before New York, it was like, well, no wonder, like you were, your gas tank was empty, you know? And so that I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm even more amazed that I was able to throw that down with given what I had put in the tank before. And so that was my wake up call that I needed to lean on the experts and also just, put my pride aside and put my lack of knowledge aside and start working with and trusting my dietitian who has just honestly been so, so amazing. But it's hard, honestly, like it's still something that is I'm working through. And it's like a piece that I think should be talked about more. And I think there's some really amazing athletes that are starting to talk about it more like Molly Seidel and, Um, things like that. But I think had I not started to work on that and get that under control, I would get injured. There's no way I could run up mountains, you know, not having the proper fueling and not working with experts and things like that. So I'm just really lucky that I've trusted that team of experts and that I trust them and what they're telling me. And so that I'm not getting injured um, because that's a huge piece. I mean, it's hard when you're on TV in front of, you know, millions of people and you're live in these massive cities and you're wearing buns and a sports bra and everyone sees like your abs and your muscles and all of that. And it's a proud moment, but it's also like, I think there is this piece that is, you know, that if you look fit, then it's just also this piece that, that equals your fast. At least that's how I started to warp it in my head. So, I've been working on deconstructing that and just kind of making some changes and changing what I'm kind of putting out into the world. I think as a, an elite runner, I need to be practicing what I'm preaching and making some changes that I'm hoping to see. So, um yeah, work in progress, but um it's definitely a piece that's there for sure. And I think it's probably more prevalent in the marathoning world than maybe ultras, but yeah.
1: I, I think it's prevalent in all of running and I'm proud of you and I, I appreciate you being open and honest about it and I really hope the sport of trail ultra mountain running can talk about it more because it's obvious. I mean yeah. it's truly obvious and it's sad that um, you know people try to hide it. In, in I'm I'm sure there's tons of, you know, uh, emotional uh, conflicts behind trying to hide it too, uh, but I, I think our sport needs to be more just open and I, we're obviously very accepting sports. So, trail and ultra running, if any sport you're going to come out with something that's, uh, you know, you're you're feeling, uh, you know deeply emotional about. I mean, this is a sport that accepts just about everything. So thank you for sharing that, Brittany. That's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's a piece that's real, you know, it's part of, it's part of it. Like, I'm not going to pretend that it isn't, you know, and I think it is, that piece. But, um, you know what I do love about the trail and ultra world? Well, I haven't gotten into this piece in the trail side, but, um, certainly more when I get into ultra side, I've heard about quesadillas and peanut butter and jellies and like real food on trail. So that is, um, something that I'm actually (laughs) super excited about.
1: I want to hear how you made training fun again. How did you fall back in love with the sport um, and I, I like that you, a lot of times kind of, I don't know, you, you toy with the idea of like you being like romantically involved with the sport, yeah. like it's a lover or something to that effect. But, um, I, I know you said you come up with like a creative, like theme for the week. I do want to hear a little bit more about that, but then other ways, like you're running with your sister, you know, those sort of things. How did yeah. you make running fun again so you didn't just completely burn out and quit.
0: Yeah. I I did think about it as I do feel like I've got this like connection with running that I do think it's this mutual respect and I do think and that's maybe, you know, kind of woo-woo that I'm like no, I feel like I have to honor this sport that has done so much for me and so, you know, kind of treating it as though it's a good friend and not not taking advantage of it and enjoying every moment I get to go out and run. And, um, you know, one of the ways that, um, I did make it fun was, um, so in my head I had what elite runners and what pro runners wear. And so I was pretty strict on like, we wear tight shorts and we wear, you know, non super bright sports bras or whatever it was. And I was like, started to shift that and I started to wear costumes on my easy runs. Like, um, one week, my theme was Dolly Parton. And so I wore this, um, polyester shirt that was all these different colors because it was a coat of many colors on my run that I got at the thrift store. And I just like ran through town just on my run on my own in this like colorful Goodwill shirt that I loved. Um, I often run in shorts. They're running shorts, but they're jean shorts. They look like jean shorts. They're really disgusting, but I love them. Um, I wear uh, donut sports bras or things like that. Just something that evokes playfulness. In fact, my coach, um, she says that I'm not allowed to dress fast on my easy runs because I don't want to be put in that mindset that I need to go hard on my easy runs you're not um, allowed
1: to be aerodynamic during your no,
0: I must be jortastic <laughs> on my easy runs. um and then so that was a big one and then um yeah my coach this last um uh leading into nationals on trail I she had my, she had mandatory sister runs so my sister is my person she's 10 years older but we're so close And, um, she started to get into trail running as well. And so that was, um, now it's a, every, every day on every week on my training plan, I have a mandatory sister run and there's no mileage. There's no, um, rules around that. It's just, I have to get out and run with my sister because it's that, um, just moment that we call it church because that's when we just get to like chat and catch up on life and then dissect all of our thoughts, the whole thing. So that's made it really fun. Um, I've really loved running different, like through all of this summer, when I was trail running, I had a, I had a tab in my spreadsheet of my training plan that I had all of these different trail runs that I wanted to do. And so I wouldn't run the same trail. I would always try to find a new mountain or a new trail, um, to run. Cause I wanted to take advantage of as much of that as I could. Um, and just different things. So, and like the themes, were earlier on, so like for example, I mentioned like Dolly Parton or um, Sacagawea or um, Amelia Earhart, and then I incorporate different things about that person into my runs. Like I'll run to Amelia Street or run to the um, that airplane hangar um, in Denver or whatever. Just kind of just getting creative and just like I think about running now as an art project. Like I I feel like there's no rules in art, so why should there be rules in running? Um, And that's just like made it so much more playful and so much more fun and enjoyable. Like it sometimes kills me. I know people love like their normal routes um, and they love just like being able to go zone out. But honestly, it kills me when I see people running the exact same route every single day because I'm like, you don't even know, like there's like a million more amazing places literally in your same area that you could be exploring. But like just so I think just like taking off all boundaries on my runs has just made it, made it come back to life.
1: So is that what sort of like your 2018 training regiment was so, I don't know. It was so structured that you lost your creative and artistic side to like who you were. And that kind of just made it miserable.
0: Um, no, I don't think I discovered it. So I don't think I knew that it was there. I didn't think that like, I've always loved, um, being creative and I've always, I've never once thought of myself as an artist or anything like that. Um, even though at the time I was doing performing arts, I was like, I had just come back from Chicago studying and performing at second city, um, and doing improv and all of that. Like, I just, I didn't let myself combine the two worlds and I didn't, I just, I don't think I opened that door and my coach has a art background. She used to be an art teacher and she's super, super artistic and she kind of allowed, she just was kind of the one that just gave me that permission that, yeah, these can exist and they can thrive together. And, um, so I don't think I lost it. I think I just didn't know it was there. I didn't open that door and let myself discover it.
1: And so are you seeing essentially better performance from having more fun during your training?
0: Oh, tenfold. this I mean, honestly, this year was truly, it was my best year I've ever had to date, and I had so much fun this year. It was so random, and it was a blast. Like, it was just, um, yeah, I think the more, because because the more I can think about it, like, I'm just making a piece of art, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, this season or this race or this run is just a piece of art in my head. And that can mean anything. Then there's no rules and you can't judge art. I don't think you can judge art because it's, um, it's like, well, it's that creators. Like, I'm like, well, then you don't understand my vision. And so, you know, I'm just trying to like continuously get better and get better at my own craft. And so this is the way that I've figured out that works for me. And that I just, It brings me to life and it gives purpose back to my runs and it puts perspective on these massive, um, stages that I'm on and this whole big journey that I really never thought that I would be on years ago. Like I never thought that I would be in this position right now. And I'm so thankful that I've chosen to do it this way because I'm like, I feel like I'm just like living and owning every single step that I take. And some of them aren't great. And some pieces of art, you're like, well, that's garbage. I'm going to just get that throw that one away. We'll just like use that one as practice. (laughs) And then there's those some days that it's like this wonderfully like spectacular piece of art that is um, something I never thought would have been created. I don't even know if this makes sense. Like as I'm saying this, I'm like, is this really like out there <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm just because I'm sitting in my art room and I'm looking at all of my pieces of art of all my running art on my wall and just like thinking about all of that so do you hopefully. know
1: I've, I've probably signed like two or three paintings my whole life like it's typically because I do a lot of oil paint and it's oh, like wow. I'll just when I'm when a canvas is covered I'll call it that Cause my paintings are like almost never done and I am constantly just painting over what I've already painted and I'm never like really satisfied. And I feel like, I mean, what, what I'm getting to and what I've been thinking throughout this is first of all, this is kind of groundbreaking stuff. And then I know in the back of my head that there's going to be critics that are like the scientifically minded coaches that are listening and they're like no like she doesn't realize it but this and this and this are causing this and that's why her performance is going up like do you think that that is true or do you think that somehow you've kind of discovered something where just being deeply satisfied with like your place in life and and what's going on is somehow affecting performance?
0: Oh, 100%. I think it's a, yeah, I'd be lying if I said my performance is because I wear Goodwill clothes and jorts on my runs. Like that, yeah, clearly. And my strength trainer, who is super sciencey, he would... Also tell me that that's um, completely inaccurate. Um, just based on all the work we've done. So of course. So you know, over these past couple of years, I've stepped up my strength training game. Absolutely. So physically, I'm making changes to my body. Um, nutrition, like I mentioned, that is just a whole other world. That is, yeah. Scientifically, I'm just putting more into my body and the right the right type of foods and things like that. And then you know, but then there's that part where it's like, well you know, mental health is such a massive topic right now that is scientifically proven and art therapy is a thing. And I really do think that running can be used as like a therapy and like incorporating this art piece as well, because I feel like I'm getting so much mental work on my runs too, that it's not just physical. So I do absolutely think there's a mental side to it and um, as well as the physical and scientific side. So I think it's this you know, amalgamation of everything coming together. Um, and, but my brain is just so, so creative and it just doesn't digest science very well. So like, this is just what is driving me mentally. Like I know at the end of the day and a hard run, I'm not going to be motivated by saying, okay, you know, breaking down the numbers and then saying like, if I give this much more VO two max effort, whatever, and my heart rate goes to this heart rate number, all these things like my, that makes me cringe. And that makes me want to go home versus like, I'm okay. I have this old lady that I'm channeling on my run and she's on her rascal scooter. And she's just telling me like, go faster, little girl, you can do it. Like that's going to be way more motivating for me personally. So I think it's like finding what works for you, but I'm sure that there's coaches out there. They're like, how am I supposed to replicate this insanity <laughs> Like you are training today go out and run six miles as an old lady um you know would be very strange
1: no i i think there's a genius to it and i think that there's a story there's like a giant story behind a lot of this that we just don't have enough time to go into but i we love should do it. A film about it i think we should do a film on it <laughs> we'll involve your cat or cats oh, i can't remember cats. Two? Mm-hmm. Two cats, right? Two cats. Okay. Yep. We, we've, we by the way, for the listeners' background, we actually are going to try to involve a cat in the film. Oh, I can't
0: wait. You didn't know that. That's new news. And I'm so excited.
1: This is going to be one of those, like, art presentations where the two artists are way way too artsy. Yeah. And everyone gets weirded out. And it's like, ooh.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of secretly <laughs> heard that a little bit because that's just. I, I, I always wanted to be an art kid, so I feel like this is our shining moment.
1: This is it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There'll they'll never be a time after this.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is our one moment. <laughs> yeah.
1: YouTube record for most one star reviews.
0: Yeah, most thumbs down. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah
1: nailed right. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, nailed it. So. What was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah. Since uh, last time having you on the podcast, you've done one or two things. They weren't like that substantial, just like throwing no. down FKTs and, you know, <laughs> second place at trail marathon champs. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the FKT just because it'll be a part of the film. But do you want to give like a 30,000 foot like overview really quick on that? And then. I do want to hear details on the marathon.
0: Yeah. Was that the, uh, Boulder FKT?
1: Yeah, we can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, right. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, um, so I ran the FKT for the Boulder skyline traverse unsupported and that was awesome. I had so much fun on that. It was, um, I think 17, 18 miles. It was actually, um, kind of a nice, nice, uh, it I mean, it was super challenging, but it was a nice shorter distance. I really enjoyed it. And, um, I was just really proud. I had run it run sections of that a couple different times. And I was just really proud that I was able to navigate that course. Cause that was, that was pretty crazy if you don't know where you're going. So, um, yeah, more to come on that, but, um, yeah, happy to throw down a local FKT. That was super fun.
1: That. I mean, that's iconic when it comes to fkts so you got lost a few times during it
0: uh i think i got lost i def- i had to stop and pee um i oh i think i i think i did get lost oh i, di- I did towards the end before i okay. got on um Sinidas, um i got a little off trail probably only by like a minute or two and then had to re-track, retrace that and then um, come back on. But I think that was my only big moment that I got off trail.
1: How do you feel about your decision to go unsupported? Like if you had it over again, would you have Pacers and crew and no. live, live ABC news coverage? Yeah, or
0: whatever? I don't think so. I think um, I had a blast. I think again, it was like this moment of um, I was really proud that I was able to do it alone. Just, also because I'm, you know, still fairly new in this trail game. And so the fact that I was able to navigate that solo, I was really proud of myself for that. And then, um, it was just kind of that moment of, I mean, there's a lot, it was kind of like this race in a sense, like I was racing against the clock. And so it was kind of nice to just have this lovely nature race by myself. Um, and, I also probably would have gotten in my head had I had a pacer or something like that. It would have, I don't know if that would have done me personally very well. So, um, no, I don't think I would have done it differently. I like, I think I just, I just walk away from these FKTs just being really proud that I'm like, wow, like I can't believe I did that by myself. I had all my stuff. I had all my gear. I planned that properly. And, um, you know, I was able to navigate on my own. So, I don't think so. I think I, you know, was really proud of how how I did that.
1: I was I was really thankful for you trying to drop me, like,
0: yeah, at the you beginning hung for a little bit. I you could hung- tell
1: I didn't like recheck Strava or anything, but I could tell you tried to like kind of push the pedal to the metal, like ah, <laughs> uh, this goofball with the gimbal and phone or <laughs> camera. Um, I, I honestly though I the whole time I was out there trying to film it. First of all, I I think most people probably have no real comprehension of the steepness of those climbs and the the techiness of those trails. And the whole time I'm out there, I'm like, I really hope she doesn't just like clip her toe on one rock and just like come walking up with some gashing like wound or something. Because an FKT on that trail is like, I mean... Did you have any moments where you like caught yourself or was it just at the end there?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think um, I was really fortunate that day. I didn't have any um, tumbles or anything like that. Maybe I scraped my hand or something, but um, no, I was really happy. I had, like I said, I'd done pretty good uh, course recon work before, like several times. So I kind of knew what to expect. And I kind of knew where I needed to be a little bit smarter and definitely watch my footing where it got more technical. Um, but yeah, no, I was really happy with that. Luckily.
1: So what what do you want to talk about next? Because you've done so many things. I'll totally, I'll leave this up to you. There's a few different avenues we could go down.
0: We could chat about nationals. That was awesome. Um,
1: Can I just start with, was, like, was the wind really that bad? The wind? Yeah.
0: Oh, I don't think so.
1: Okay. I thought I saw somewhere someone was saying the wind was super bad.
0: It okay. picked up, I think, at like after we finished. I don't remember anything um, that it being windy.
1: Okay. Yeah. So where, where did this take place? What was the significance of the race?
0: So this was in Moab, and this was at the beginning of November, and it was the USATF National Trail Championships. So um, it was a full marathon on the trails in Moab.
1: And how did you feel going in?
0: I felt really good. I was starting to, as you can imagine, I was starting to get pretty tired um, going into this. Like I think leading into nationals, I forgot that I have been training pretty much consistently since July. Um, and so I was like, man, I am like mentally and physically fatigued. I'm just tired. And so luckily we noticed that a few weeks ahead of time. And so we made a couple adjustments in training, but also just kind of decided like, awesome. Like this is, we're going to go hard on this race and then I'm going to get a full long break after that. Um, and I'm so glad I did. Cause I, you know, I don't, I didn't have any other goals lined up afterwards. So I felt like I could really lay it down there, but I was um leading into it the couple weeks before, certainly during peak weeks, I was like pretty mentally and physically tired just from a really long jam-packed season. This was the most running and racing I've ever done ever, um, this whole year. So um I was uh super pumped to be there and to race, but then ready to like have some time off after that.
1: I remember you mentioning that. I mean so what was Moab like for you? You you'd never been there, correct?
0: No. It was Isn't it so, magical. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was epic. Yeah. It was so good. There was honest, that was I've never seen anything like that. It was so beautiful. There was um for probably the first maybe eight six to eight miles or so Ashley Brassiman and I were kind of working with each other and leapfrogging and things like that. And there was a couple points that we were on these ledges and overlooking these canyons and all of, all of the Moab scenery. And I just remember saying like, Ashley, is this real? And she was (laughs) like, I know, isn't it crazy? Cause she's run there before. Um, and I just like, couldn't, couldn't wrap my head around how stunning it was.
1: She's, she is one of the best. She's such a nice person too. She's
0: wonderful. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so did you find yourself looking at, you know, arches and clipping your toes or or did it go pretty smooth throughout the race?
0: It went it went smooth until about mile, I think probably 20 or so and I I I was it was on like a fairly smooth area and I was, you know, going pretty, like going pretty steady at that point. Next thing I know, I eat it hard. And I was at one moment, I was really excited because I chose to wear white, um, during this race. And so I was like, awesome. Like now I'm dirty. Now I'm a trail runner. Like I'm not going to walk away with just a clean white shirt. Um, (laughs) but then I freaked myself out and I was like, Oh my God, it just fell. My bib fell off. And, um, I like banged my knees pretty hard. And so, you know i was like jogging at that point i was trying to shake it off cuz i didn't expect that to come and then this i don't know who it was but there was an elite male that um started to come up on me and he's like you're doing amazing and i was like i fell i fell and he's like <laughs> i look over and he holds up his hand and he's like me too and he's gushing blood all down his hand and his arm and i told myself get your shit together you're fine keep moving and so that was the moment I was so grateful for him because I was just like no you're good this is like what trail runners do everything's good and then I was able to keep going but that was my only like big big hiccup on on that one
1: I mean at any at any point were you winning was there like a head-to-head type situation or was it kind of like chilling hanging back like you and Ashley just Sharing some miles and then getting ready to either make a go of it or not.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um no, Allie McLaughlin, so she won. Um I saw her at the starting line. Literally that was it. And she was out of sight. And so and that happened at Pikes too. Um and um but I didn't yeah, no, she was nowhere to be seen. She absolutely crushed it. But um I remember telling myself again, it was just like coming back to these experiences of racing that I was like, you must do your own race. You know how you race. Don't, don't go crazy at the start. Like a marathon is a long way to go, especially on trail. And so I was like, be smart. And so I just kept telling myself like, be smart and patient. Um, and then in the middle of the race, I was just like, don't be tempted. Don't be tempted to go right now. Now is not go time. Um, and so I was thankful for, you know, my marathon experience with that, that I, trusted that like, I still need to be conservative. Um, so yeah, Ashley and I, um, I was so grateful for her cause she really, um, we leapfrogged and we pushed each other and she also helped me stay on course. Um, so we, we hung together for a few miles and then, um, it got pretty spread out from there. And then, um, so Janelle links, she's a boulder runner. Um, she was in second, the whole race until mile 25, so I didn't catch her until mile 25 and she was an absolute beast. That was her first marathon ever. Um she's bloody she had fallen and she um sorry like just caught her right right towards the end um, to finish second but um that was it and that was I only saw Allie at some turnaround points. Um and that was it. So yeah.
1: And were you were you happy with the the performance?
0: Hell yeah. It was my first uh, trail nationals. Like I couldn't believe that I was there. So I was so excited. Like I was happy being there. I was like, I, you know, probably have a chance to win maybe, but that wasn't really on my radar. Like, again, it came back to, this was just like, I was stoked to be there. I wanted to cap off having fun at the end of this amazing season and this crazy year that I never thought would have happened. Um, so I was thrilled with it and I was just really proud of, being so strong on the trails that day. So, um, yeah, I was, I was stoked. I didn't, and honestly that whole race, I thought I was like, I was like, I'm in third. Like, that's great. I'm happy with that. Um, and then when I like saw Janelle at mile 25, I was really proud of, proud of second. So.
1: I mean, how would you have, well, first of all, did you get to camp at Moab or hotel?
0: Um, Justin and I hoteled guys I know, guys. Well, we car camp, so my, my goal my, next year—my
1: two and a half-year-old made it in that little tent.
0: <laughs> I know. I
1: like nine thousand feet or something stupid.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not bad. <laughs> like I, I did well this summer camping. Like I'm not a camper by any. Like I car camped all summer, so maybe next year we can talk about tents. But I was like, nah. Like I'm just gonna. um, do hotel and I'm going to order takeout and we're going to watch movies the whole day before. <laughs> so
1: all good. Yeah. I mean, now I've got a, a 2021 goal on the horizon. So thank you.
0: Yeah. It's I like, want to, I want to turn down like a, um, Justin
1: brings the cookies. Yeah. I got two little kids that will eat all the cookies. So.
0: Okay. Done. <laughs> all right. We can chat. We can chat about that. I'll put that on my goals list.
1: Um, what, what about, 2020 would you have changed was there any part of the season where i mean and i and typically i wouldn't ask this question but i know it's your breakout you know kind of a breakout year because for most people 2020 has been just terrific um Mm -hmm. but in terms of racing i mean would you have changed anything do you think do you think you would have gone trails if it wasn't 2020 like I just want to hear a little bit more of kind of reflecting on the year.
0: Yeah. I'm so happy you asked that. Cause that's been on my mind lately and, um, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't have changed a thing, honestly. Like I'm, I can't believe how wonderful 2020 has been to me and to, to us this year. I mean, it's been crazy, um, this year and I'm just, this is my best year I've ever had. And I'm just so grateful that I said yes to things that I wouldn't have. I, Like my coach, Jenny, the other day, she was like, if the pandemic hadn't happened, you wouldn't have gone trail and you wouldn't have opportunities that are opening up for you right now. Um, and I, I didn't think about that. And so that kind of just, it just gives me hope for like, man, like good things can come. I don't know. I don't know what 2021 is going to look like, but you know, I'm going to make the best of it just like I did this year. And I'm going to probably do crazy things that I never thought I could ever do, um, so yeah, so I'm I've been like I've taken so after um nationals, I took three full weeks off with no running, um, just to give give our give me, give ourselves a little break. So running got its own little um vacay. And um then, you know, I've just been casually running. I don't have any other goals for the rest of this year. And I've just really been reflecting on this year and thinking, I'm so grateful. Like I can't believe that things existed and that I had the means to be able to go do these adventures and that some of these races still happened and things like that. So, um, I think, yeah, it's just been a, I'm fortunate. Like I tell you what, this year has been crazy and unexpected and stressful, but I feel like I made the most of it and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, it all has lined up so well and not at all what I expected.
1: Well, all I can say is I think that, your best years of running are ahead of you i'd i'd bet like uh you know i don't get to do many films you know with family obligations work obligations and everything else that i have um if i had to bet though i'd I'd bet that your career's maybe just starting as weird as that sounds
0: yeah no it makes sense i appreciate that thanks and i hope so too i think Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm honestly just so excited for what adventures could be ahead and just like the thought of where I could run. I mean, that's all it comes down to for me at the end of the day is, yeah, I want to run big races and, you know, be successful in those. But at the end of the day, like I'm just stoked to run new places and keep, keep this adventure going and like just be on the ride.
1: So. Maybe one or two more questions, and appreciate your time as always. Appreciate you letting me hound you with text messages constantly. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> so, making a transition to the trails, y- you've shown that you know it's it's pretty reasonable. From a professional ultra runner perspective, or professional runners' perspective, how do you balance trying? to go for the trails like it's to me it's almost like you do a marathon i mean it has to be somewhat fun at least for the first half for you super quick guys and the paychecks have to be just multiples multiples higher than the trails how do you see that kind of unfolding how do you reconcile it in your own head Because holding up a giant check for 500 bucks when you win an ultra, (laughs) it's it's a little different than probably a big city marathon check. Um, Do you you mind just kind of going through that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's actually something I didn't even think about this year. You know, like, I think you, I mean, you don't make any money off of Trials like, unless you've got a sponsor and that's part of your bonus structure, like placing at trials. Well, maybe, maybe top 10, they got paid out, but I didn't get paid. Oh, um, three spots. I, found, I found a couple <laughs> pennies, um, on my warmups. On my warm-ups <laughs> so I count that. Um, and then, yeah. And I think, um, I think thinking about trail, I guess I just didn't even think about it. Like the couple races that I won and, um, also participated in for trail you get paid but I didn't even like that wasn't even like a thought because I just I mean it was just so I mean it is there's just less money on the line which does come with less pressure I would say like I think that's certainly a piece especially if that's how you're making your living I'm lucky enough that you know Justin's supporting us mainly but then that I have coaching and other um, things that I do on the side to earn income Um, so I guess like for me it's not really about the paycheck. Like I just don't, I don't think about it. And I think that for me trail, I was, I was just stoked that there were races going on. I just wanted to race t- this year. I didn't care if I got paid at all. Like I didn't even know if they were paying out, um, for top performances. And I think most of these races that I did this year, cause I just didn't care. Like it was all about running these crazy, things that people are doing and just seeing if I could do it and seeing how much I could push myself. So, um, yeah, so I think that there's a, there's a piece of it. Certainly there's a financial piece that you want to make it worth all of your time. But, um, yeah, for me, I don't think that there's necessarily as much sitting on, sitting on the line there. I don't know if that really answered that.
1: No, I think that's, probably gonna resonate only with like 99.9% of the people listening
0: um, <laughs> yeah. and honestly I get more satisfaction out of like I told you before we started recording that I found 123 cents on my runs last week and that was honestly more satisfying than getting a big check um, because I had to like go like scour the streets and search for all of the hot spots and it was like <laughs> these little treasures that I found
1: I mean I'll I'll put Kipchoge and like the hashtags of the the episode notes and like on the off chance he listens he'll be like the one dissent on like why would you run trails because there's no money or no I'm
0: kidding yeah. <laughs> um, true
1: but do you do you go to like your local I don't know baker or wherever and pay with pennies or are you strictly um, saving all those do you take them to the bank
0: There there I have this giant treasure chest that's sitting behind me in my chair in my art room that's filled with pennies that I counted at the start of the pandemic because I was bored um I I won't pay people and then because I feel like no one really else shares this a love of pennies I think they'd just be pissed at me if I brought that in and I they think I'm really dirty especially in a pandemic um but (laughs) I uh I haven't cashed them in. I'm not sure what I'm doing with them yet. Maybe investing them. So that way I can prove like, yes, like this does add up. It is worth it. Um, but right now they're just um, collecting, collecting dust behind what, me. Like
1: what, have you found a weedy? Have you found like the, oh, yeah. I think it's like the 43 or something's like a, a steel penny or something. Cause yeah. they're using copper during the war. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Like, um, I do have one of those, not that I found, but I found, um, several wheat pennies. So when I counted all my change, it took me, I think like, I think it took me like 12 hours to count all my change one day. <laughs> um, I have photos of it on my Instagram. I'll have to share them with you. Um, 8am like uh, to 8pm. Uh, yeah, it was
1: like, and
0: it, it was so funny because it was just like a marathon because I was so excited. This was going to be so much fun. I was um, sorting them by decades And so, um, I had pieces of paper that had each decade on them and I was like, so thrilling. It was so exciting. And then it got to that point in every race where you're like, why the hell am I doing this? I don't need to, I can back out. Like no one, no one's telling me I have to do this. I signed up for this. Yeah, I I told myself I was going to do this, and so it was it was that push through that mental hard piece. So it was like this penny counting marathon that I did. (laughs) And
1: and I'm assuming Justin is just like looking at you, like,
0: uh huh, awesome, awesome. dirty Change all over our counter, yeah, (laughs) because it was like all over our kitchen counter. Like I had them all all out, so um, it was filthy.
1: Um, so have you ever found a penny or or anything that's valuable? Like, have you found, like, a wedding ring or, like, anything crazy like that? And then, please don't just turn all your pennies in. You have to see if any of these are, like, the rare ones that are worth, like, tons of money.
0: So, I did sort through all of them. The ones I have are, I have a few that are worth um, maybe a dollar, but none of the super rare ones. Um, I do have, I did find in my collection some sort of random... I want to say it was like a Switzerland coin from like the 1910s or something. I have no idea where that came from. And I do have some random countries that I found um, out on runs, but I I haven't found anything um, unique necessarily um, other than just a bunch of change. And then I also had a category when I was doing all my sorting Sorting—that was a weird way to say that. Um, I had a category that was called un, like something like undecipherable or something like couldn't you couldn't tell what it was because they were so smashed. <laughs> so um, and I found like several bent coins. So um, yeah, but no, no, nothing um, super incredible. just yet, but I have I have faith.
1: I mean, my my greatest find was like. I think we had a third floor attic and there's a bed behind it. And we like, I moved the bed. I found a dime. I think it was like a 1940 dime, but it literally looked brand new. Like it it was just kind of mind blowing. One of those like mini time capsules where like you just come across something. And it's just like, wow. Like the, the person that dropped this, Probably was from like 1940 because it looks like it was brand new.
0: Was that worth anything? I don't,
1: I, I'm not sure. I used to be, I used to be into collecting that kind of stuff. I, I haven't been in a long time. Um, Coke bottles were my, my big thing when I was growing up yeah. old, like old, you know, glass Coke bottles for some That's reason cool. fascinated me.
0: Oh, I like that. I don't think I would pick those up on my runs. That would get quite heavy.
1: (laughs) You'd be a lot better runner.
0: Um, At the start of the pandemic, I was collecting. um, I was also picking up Corona bottle caps because the coronavirus, and I was making art out of them. Um, And you'd be so shocked at how many specifically Corona bottle caps are out there.
1: So you actually saw like a pickup in Corona beer drinking. It's like there's a correlation you're saying?
0: I don't know. I or corona maybe. parties. Or people just like are just always out in the streets drinking corona and they just leave their caps. But it was pretty it was pretty um serendipitous or coincidental, I would say, that I just happened to be finding them um at the start of the coronavirus.
1: That's I, I had not thought about that. I mean that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Once turn again, the, I think we might have lost people.
1: <laughs> so you can turn the episode off now.
0: Yeah. So is this thing over?
1: So this this is when I start editing.
0: Oh, that one's gonna get edited out. No. Oh, okay.
1: No. Um, I might I might edit in the middle. So oh. I'll I'll end this this uh, episode where I started it with, and that is. Do you even know what funny is? You're the funny no. runner, like. Do you even know what funny he is?
0: I don't think that I proved anything funny. I think I proved weird. I think I proved like um, weird artsy, like costume runner. <laughs> Who's also fast and who also talks like an old lady sometimes.
1: I I enjoyed it. I mean, you're the funny runner. You're the rift shop runner the jorts jorts runner penny runner we we could market you quite a different uh varieties but Brittany, you are an incredibly nice person i appreciate all your time i can't wait to get creative with this film make some cookies with you and justin and yeah just stay in touch and and where can the listener follow you on social
0: So I'm, um, a millennial, so I namely choose Instagram. So I'm not active on Facebook. So if I don't, friend or follow you please don't get offended um, so follow me on Instagram I'm at funny runner 26.2 and if you would like to get a glimpse into my weird world I'm also at funny runner 26 point art and you can see all my art and then um, we're also super active on our coaching site and that is at Mercuria running um, and, and yeah if you want to follow Justin as well he's at sugar Tuts cookies on Instagram as well
1: thank you for being on the show um can you follow me back on social please
0: mm, no i like, it's not that funny
1: <laughs> do you i mean do you know what funny is yeah you're the funny runner
0: what do you mean like <laughs> i've seen your stuff how many people
1: that was episode 156. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you, as always, to Brittany Charbonneau. Big thank you to the sponsors Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, CoGala. Big shout out to you, Patreon supporters. And most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.